Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, it's Adam here from DNF1. Just before we begin the podcast, I wanted to quickly share with you some exciting news. For this month, the DNF1 podcast is proudly sponsored by... Manscaped. For the entire month of March, you can get hold of some great Manscaped products like their best-selling razor, the brand new Lawn Mower 3.0, which is now waterproof, and plenty more other great products on their website for 20% off and free shipping. Oh my God! Wow! All you have to do is head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code DNF1 to receive 20% off your order and also free shipping too. We loved using Manscaped products and we know that you will too. So make sure to get yours now. Trust us, your balls will thank you. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events going on in the Formula One world and we relay that back to you for a nice bit of discussion for your listening or viewing pleasure depending on what platform you choose to follow us on. And of course guys, it is the Aston Martin review episode. The brand new AMR21 has broken cover for the first time and boy oh boy, it's certainly a sight and certainly something to talk about. And right here, of course, I've got my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine, here to talk through the new Aston Martin with me. Courtney, first things first, how are you doing? Have you managed to dry yourself up after getting soaked at work today? Yeah, yeah. First of all, there's a reason for the get up. Yeah, I got soaked at work. For those of those, for those of you that are unemployed, do not work outdoors. It's a pain because you have to sort yourself out afterwards. But I've seen the Aston Martin. Um, when we get into it, I will tell you how I feel, but not impressed, not impressed. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Just uh, obviously before we get into that, of course, guys, as I said in the last podcast uh, where we reviewed the Mercedes, if you haven't already seen that, definitely check that out. It was a really, really good discussion with us and Lee Wallington on the brand new Mercedes. Of course, the car we expect to be leading from the front for 2021. But if you've not already seen, we are being sponsored this month by Manscaped a great grooming company that have sent us over some stuff to try out one of the items in particular just going to show you now the new lawnmower 3.0 shaver and uh, as i said i've tried it myself a really good razor works really really well and uh, quite good for precision trimming which is obviously important in certain aspects and it's got a nice little light as well there as you can see so definitely get one of these now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, everyone's blind now by that. But uh, as I said, guys, they, uh, if you use the code DNF1 on manscaped.com, you can get 20% off plus free shipping on your order. So get yourself one of these right now. It's a great gift for yourself, your mate, or maybe someone you know that's probably been a bit lazy in lockdown and needs to tidy themselves up a bit. Definitely get one of these. Uh, go to manscaped.com, use code DNF1 for 20% off and free shipping for the month of March. So get yours now. Product placements out of the way. Um, you'll be glad to hear, guys. Um, Let's talk about the Aston Martin. Now, Courtney, you just said, um, jumping the gun there almost, but uh, you're not a fan of this uh, livery. Um, no. Care to discuss no. or elaborate on that? So the, the, the teasing that Aston Martin gave us was sort of talking about uh, a British racing green, you know, if you, and I just had like this image that this car was going to be beautiful. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was be that disappointed. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I am not a fan of this Aston Martin livery, perhaps, I mean, it's good. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. It's a good looking car, but I think Courtney, you're right in saying that perhaps we expected it to be so much better. You know, the teasing, we were hoping it wouldn't be pink or we were hoping maybe not necessarily British racing green. I think there's a misconception with this because Aston Martin green and British racing green are two different colors. Um, If you look at Aston Martin in GT series or in other series that they've done, they've always gone for this sort of green, to their car the traditional aston martin green that they've gone with um so it's nice to see they're sticking to their roots but they've also added the yellow lime tint vinyls all around the car which makes it look superb i was kind of hoping that they would use that on this year's car instead they've gone for a pink one and it, it's quite subtle as well which for me it almost looks like it's a bit cheap or unfinished and it doesn't look as good as I was hoping it would be. I must be honest, guys, I'm a bit disappointed. Maybe that's unpopular. Some of you may love it. Some of you may not so much. Um, be honest, I pref- much prefer the Alpine livery. I think that's the best one that I've seen so far this season. Agreed. But, um, Agreed. Yeah, I-, I suppose. I mean, I like the Mercedes one that we did yesterday, but even then I would say... I'm a little bit disappointed that it didn't look better, but perhaps that was because of how good that car looked last season. So it's hard to top that. But in this case of Aston Martin, yeah, I agree with you, Courtney. I think there's other things they could have done with this livery. Um, I mean, the foundation is good, but I think the other bits that they've added onto it, like the pink part of it, it just doesn't work. And I think you're right. You said this to me before we started, along with the race suits, they look a bit cheap or tacky. They look, For example, they look like you get a standard one from... I remember my karting days, you go to Sparco or somewhere like that. You get a really nice looking racing suit. It's just standard stuff. You get a green one like that. And then you put some little pink pits on it. And it's like, oh, it just doesn't look amazing. It doesn't, it's not one of those that takes your breath away. And perhaps we're asking too much of Aston Martin in this regard. The car's the most important factor, but I think we were hoping for so much better than what eventually yeah. turned up. When, when it was announced that BWT were going to be one of the main sponsors for them, there was always a concern that there was going to be 
pink on the livery. Like, don't get me wrong, it could have been worse. You know, it could have the pink could have been more of a feature on the car. So you can see they've tried their best to sort of minimise the the BWT sort of colouring on the car, but. I just don't think that colour scheme works. You know, please, please correct us if we're wrong in the comments. If, if you like the car, each to their own, as you've already said, Adam. But I don't know. I, I just I just feel that this was one of the most sort of hyped up liveries in the build-up to it. I don't know. It's just feel a little bit flat after seeing it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of hype and a lot of build-up. And I suppose more often than not, that when you hype stuff up to such a degree it's very hard to deliver on those promises. Maybe we put it up to such a high standard that they can never deliver. And that perhaps that's our fault as fans. But, you know, despite that, I, I, you know, it looks like a decent looking car. Hopefully it's fast as well. That's the most important thing. And they usually say the old cliche, if it looks quick, it usually is. Um, I mean, let's talk about the launch as well. I mean, it, the launch was hilarious. I don't know about you, Courtney, when, when I was watching it, First thing we saw was Lawrence Stroll and Lawrence Stroll come out, you know, looking dapper in the suit and all that, you know, look good, really excited about the project. But the way he was talking and on the car, obviously he was reading off a teleprompter. Everybody was. It was so scripted. It was hilarious, comical that even the presenter, bless her, she did a good job. But it was almost like there's no human element to this. It's like everyone's just reading off a teleprompter. Even the interactions between the two people. The only time we actually saw some natural reactions or responses was when Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll were actually answering questions because they weren't scripted. Everything else was. And with uh, Lawrence Stroll, you know, Lawrence Stroll looking, you know, looked great in, uh, in the actual presentation. But when he was talking, I kind of got the vibe of a film where a film villain where they come across as the philanthropist entrepreneur, you know, that's going to revolutionize the world for the better. It's going to be fantastic. And they come across as the all round great benevolent figure. And it turns out to be a big front for an evil corporation. That's going to change the world by basically mass genocide or something mad like that. Those were the vibes I was getting. But to be fair, they'd probably drive an Aston Martin. So maybe that's the kind of thing. Exactly. Well, them and James Bond, ironically, we actually got a video message from 007 himself, Daniel Craig, to uh, congratulate Aston Martin on their launch and wishing them luck for the season, which I'll be honest with you, I wasn't expecting to see Daniel Craig, but I thought that was quite a cool feature. Um, Again, he he looked like he was reading off a script in a room with the worst green screen it looked like he was on a zoom call in a way like we are but he has like the background on but it's so bad that you can see clearly there's some sort of green screen behind him it was quite funny considering the amount of expense they've gone to the production of this launch and they you know got a zoom call off a poor green screen with 007 you know what though weird i don't know about you but i love seeing formula one drivers trying to act I know it's it's for me it's so bad it's good I love to see it I love to see it. Well, you like the segments with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, and obviously we'll, yeah. we'll get some of those with Daniel Ricciardo and uh, Lando Norris as well. I mean, who knows? Ferrari might try to capture on the hype with Carlos Sainz joining them with Charles Leclerc. Two younger drivers that might do that. Um, but I, I know what you mean. It is quite funny. But yeah, this was all a bit. It just felt so scripted and it was quite obvious to the point where it's quite funny. One person I did not expect to hear from at this launch was Tom Brady, the seven times Super Bowl winner. Uh, quarterback. Quite random. 
very, very random. I, I don't know where the connection is to Tom Brady and Aston Martin Formula One team. If anyone knows if Tom Brady's got a relationship, personal friendship with Lawrence Stroll or Lance Stroll or anyone at Aston Martin, please do let us know because I have no idea why Tom Brady, of all people, was... Uh, it's kind of like, um, I, I don't know, uh, Ferrari do a launch next week and then Cristiano Ronaldo comes on and congratulates Ferrari just because he plays in Italy uh, for his Is it a sponsorship thing? Maybe maybe he's, he's an ambassador for him or something. Either that or after, after he did the video. Well, it didn't look like it because he was the shirt he was wearing was just referring to oh. himself being a seven-time Super Bowl winner. Um, well, any NFL fans out there, do let us know. Actually, we've got a few mates that are into NFL. Might have to ask them about it. Yeah, please do let us know. I mean, for all we know, Tom Brady might have recorded that, left his house, and then, I mean, it looked like a very nice house from what we could see. That was definitely not a green screen. Um, but it looked might have just walked into a new, brand new Aston Martin Valkyrie or something like that on the way through. It, it was really, it really caught us off guard. It was quite funny. But um, yeah, definitely a different kind of launch to what we were expecting. And um you know, there's this comic value and a lot of things depends on how seriously you take these things, but you know, let's forget about the launch now, guys. Um, that's the, you know, that's the silly part. Let's talk about the car. Now, obviously we've both expressed our opinions on this car. We're not really big fans of the overall livery, even though it's good, it's not quite as good as we thought it would be. Again, guys, let us know what you think of the Aston Martin livery, but there were a few technical elements that are important to have a look at. First of all, Aston Martin, as I mentioned before with McLaren, are inheriting the, uh, well, I should say, inheriting the new parts on their car, the listed parts, I should say, from the rear end of the car. Um, actually, not McLaren, are not actually doing that. But of course, Aston Martin will be, as Racing Point last season had the Mercedes parts from the previous car from last season. So a brand new rear suspension and gearbox. Uh, they get those for free. They don't have to worry about using tokens on those because they're upgrading to 2020 as per the new rules, allowing teams to do that with listed parts. Interestingly enough, the tokens on the car look like they've been spent around the monocoque area. Now, this is quite a strange one, Corny, because I, I was not expecting anyone to work on the monocoque area. For those of you that don't know what the monocoque area is, it's kind of the area situated around sort of halfway up the nose, but then towards where the driver's seat in position with, and then just a little bit behind where the airbox is, yeah. that sort of area. I suppose the best way to describe it would be uh, when Roman Grosjean had his crash, the part of the car that he was still in when it all burst into flames, when it all come apart, that sort of area, that's the monocoque area. Um so, as I said, there were some changes that I noticed on there. Um, the bodywork has, has been shrunken on the lower side of this, uh, on the impact crash structure. And they've also gone to return to the, they've returned to the 2019 side pods, the inlet on the side pods. They've gone to the 2019 version uh, that they had before, which ironically is something that Mercedes themselves copied for 2020. So all the jokes about Racing Point last season copying the Mercedes W10, uh, basically forgot to realise that Mercedes copied the old, the Racing Point um, from 2019 in terms of the side pods. But Racing Points have gone back to that. Uh, Aston Martin, I should say, have gone do back you to think, that. Do you think this, like, those little subtle changes could be the sort of first indication that Aston Martin want to start doing their own thing and eventually start challenging the likes of Mercedes? It could, it could well be the start of something. I think we saw last year that you know, Racing Point were 
looking long term to try and take this Mercedes concept from its foundations and then try and work with it and build on it and try and mm. make their own version. And they've been very, very good at, at maximizing the absolute most out of what little they had at the time before, of course, Lawrence Stroll uh, took over with the consortium. And you sort of feel that that's what they're going to try and do going forward. Of course, 2021 is a bit of a weird year for that. I think obviously 2022, the long-term project, that's where they'll really get the opportunity to try and go their own unique way on it. And they've been preparing for that for a while. So for the short term, I would say they're just trying to use the be- make the best of the concept that they have, which is similar to Mercedes, as the other Mercedes cars have already shown, um, or Mercedes power cars, I should say. But in general you know, the short term, I think they're just going to have to do the best that they've got and try and go their own way. They have done in certain areas, as I said, with these new side pod units that they've done, they've gone back to the last 2019 spec. So hopefully that works for them. They've obviously seen something in the wind tunnels that these have worked better than last year's ones did and worked better on this particular car. So it's nice to see them trying some sort of outside thinking and perhaps, you know, feeling that they might have, got, have a better solution to what Mercedes do in that area. I mean, some things that they've kept that that was on the new Mercedes uh, with the engine cover. It's, uh, you know, quite slimmed down. The bulge that we talked about with Mercedes uh, yesterday, that is on the Aston Martin too. And it suggests that the centerline cooling is less on the uh, Aston Martin than on the Merc. Now, obviously, you know, there's some aero benefits to that one way or the other. We'll have to wait and see how that works. But clearly, they're not as confident in the... Uh, well, they're a lot more confident in the cooling factor uh, of the engines than Mercedes are. So I don't know what to make of that long term, if that's going to prove to be a reliability issue. Way, yeah. It could do, but usually when uh, one team goes for a more slimmer version of the engine covers, then their actual customer providers or their suppliers, I should say, usually that would suggest that they obviously have a lot more faith in the power unit uh, reliability than the actual provider does. So we'll have to wait and see if Mercedes are too conservative or if Aston Martin have gone extreme. We'll have to wait and see how that works out. But overall, the car looks pretty good from a technical perspective. Um, It's an evolution from last year's racing point. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that goes for the season. As I said, the drivers themselves, Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll, um, you know, we can talk about this part now. Um, they both seem pretty happy by what they've seen. Sebastian very much reserved in his opinions on how good the car can be. It's a brand new team, a lot of stuff he's got to figure out. And as he said with previous Ferrari cars, you know, we've seen the car, we've been given the numbers and the figures of where we expect this car to be. But the only true barometer that you can have is when it's out on the track doing the testing and doing the runs and, the, and you, you know, you check it by the stopwatch and where everyone else is. So, with that in mind, Courtney, um, I mean, how great was it to see Seb in such a good, positive mood with a smile on his face? It's a new project, a new challenge, obviously, um, you know, a less than ceremonious exit from Ferrari after five seasons where it ultimately didn't work out for him in terms of getting that world championship. How do you see this move going for Seb Vettel? Do you feel that there's still plenty of fire left in him. Are we going to see a return of the old Sebastian Vettel? Is Do you feel that this is the right place for him in his, this point of his career to try and perhaps put himself in the frame for a world championship in the future? I think this was the ideal place for him to move to. I'm sure he'd have liked to have gone back to Red Bull, but that wasn't possible, obviously, particularly with Max being there. Um, it's a strange one with Sebastian Vettel because... 
seven, eight, nine years ago, for example, I'd have loved nothing more than to see this guy struggle, you know, when he was dominating Formula 1, particularly being like, a, for, as a Lewis Hamilton fan. But it got it got to the point where Ferrari, where it was sad to see, you know, because he was, he was always sort of the, one of the more confident and sort of cheerful guys on the grid. And I don't know, you just sort of saw it in his demeanour, he was losing that. And, it doesn't matter how good a driver you are, going to a team like Ferrari, and if you don't succeed to the standard that's expected not only of yourself but from the team, it's going to quickly get on top of you. So he needed to go. And, you know, he's gone to a team that has a lot of ambition. You know, he couldn't get the Mercedes seat, so he's probably gone to the next best thing from a Mercedes perspective. And who knows, maybe he has his eyes on the Mercedes seat going forward. That might be a dream of his. So he'll want to do as well here as possible. I you know... Just like every other team, 2022 is a, a big opportunity. And this move obviously suits Aston Martin as well. You know, he's a four-time world champion. You can't you can't take that experience away from him. So if the Sebastian Vettel Vold comes back, we could be seeing some duels between him and the Ferraris. And I can't wait for that prospect. I mean, I'm quite excited by this prospect for Sebastian Vettel. I mean, I'll, I'll go on record and say, even though Seb is not a Ferrari driver anymore, he's still my favourite driver on the grid. I think as a person, I think he's got, he's such a great human being. And I really like, I, I really like the fact that in the last couple of years, people have removed themselves from this idea that because Sebastian Vettel is the direct rival to Lewis Hamilton and the Ferrari element and some of the stuff that he did, particularly in 2017 um, and Azerbaijan, no less, of course, you know, People have kind of looked at Seb in a bad light and perhaps as the whining, whinging driver who can only drive a car that suits his knees and is only driving a fast car. He's no good in a slower car, which is stupid to say that. Despite how bad it was for him last season, that's a stupid thing to go by. Um, and it's so nice to see the real Sebastian Vettel, the person outside of the car and everything else. And it just makes you want to see someone like that do really, really well, especially with the career that he's had. You can't fluke the career that Sebastian Vettel has had. If it wasn't for the fact that Lewis Hamilton was in the same era as him, we'd be talking about Seb in a much more positive regard along the all-time greats that we actually are. You know, that's the reality of it. Whether you agree or not is up to you, but that's the truth. And... You know, this season he's in a brand new car, a brand new team. It's going to be a much warmer atmosphere than what he was experiencing at Ferrari. Obviously, it was very tense. You know, the desire to win at Ferrari is perhaps too great for their own good, which has obviously been to their detriment in recent seasons. But he's with a team now that is going to cater to everything he needs. He's going to rely and draw from that experience that he has of being involved in championship winning cars and some that should have won championships that weren't and try to take those lessons into being able to develop a car that's going to be a championship challenger in, in the years to come. Because that's what Aston Martin wants to do. And that's why they brought Seb Vettel into the car. In terms of the car itself, um, being a Mercedes powered car and a car that's very good and stable at the rear, these are things that are really going to cater to Sebastian Vettel's skill set. You know, I've said before that Sebastian Vettel absolutely champions a car that tailors to his knees, especially one that's stable at the rear end that allows him to attack the car with confidence and not feel like the car is going to just bottom out and spin. Because let's face it, all jokes aside, Sebastian Vettel has had a fair few spins in the last few years in Formula One, not always because of the car, sometimes for his own volition, but this season, I think he's going to have a very good car underneath them. I think it's going to allow him to extract the sort of performance levels that we saw uh, before 2020, more like 2018 Seb maybe, or 2017 Seb. Yeah, I mean, 
this has to work out for him though, because this will probably be the last chance to loom for him. You know, given his age, if this doesn't work out, then I can sort of see him getting bored and looking to leave Formula One because he's, he's, he's won four world championships. And, you know, and if he doesn't, like similar to Fernando Alonso, I think if there isn't movement in the next couple of years for him to challenge towards the front, I can see him getting bored. But as you've said, Adam, I, I've got a really good feeling about this move for him. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be seeing the best drivers competing at the front, you know, Maybe I'm a little bit more calm from it from a from like a Lewis Hamilton fan's perspective because he's won all the championships. He's won seven world championships, level with Michael Schumacher now. But I'm sure a lot of fans would love to be seeing Lewis Hamilton against Max Verstappen, Vettel up against Max Verstappen, Alonso, Leclerc. You want to be you want to be seeing all the best drivers coming up against each other because it brings entertaining races. You know. I think Vettel against Verstappen, it's usually fireworks in them to me. Mm. So you want to be seen. You want to be seen. Um, Sebastian Vettel and um, Alonso up there with um, Max and Lewis. You do. I almost feel like the Lewis Seb saga was very anticlimactic. Not you know yeah. to be not to be biased on this as a Ferrari fan. Obviously, some of you may have different opinions on this, but I almost felt that that saga was incomplete purely and simply because Seb was not able to win a world championship as he should have done in 2018 against Lewis. You know, people can argue, oh, well, he won four world titles, but he never really fought Lewis in any of them. He he was fighting Alonso in two of them and fought mm-hmm. Weber in a few as well. And then in uh, 2011 and 2013, he was completely on his own. You know, nobody could touch him at that time. So, in particular in 2017 and 2018, when he was up against Lewis Hamilton, for me, it just felt anticlimactic that Seb's title chances, particularly in 2018, faltered the way they did. And perhaps he should have won one of them. And it perhaps would have been more fitting for him to do so. It, it, obviously, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton here. We're talking about a guy, as you mentioned, Courtney, he's up there with the immortals of Formula One, the Senna's, the Schumacher's, the Fangio's, the absolute all-time greatest of all-time drivers. Seb, unfortunately, is not in that category. It's a very exclusive club that some would argue, you know, w- w- one way or the other, whether or not Alain Prost should be in that group as well. It's just, it's a hard club to be involved in. But I think Senna, I think Senna would yeah. have been up there as well if he didn't die. Oh no, absolutely. I I, in terms of yeah. statistics, absolutely. I mean, but uh, yeah. I mean, this is something we'll be talking about when we start doing the retro podcast episodes again. Of course, for those of you wondering where those have gone, they are coming back. It's just because of the timings of the car launches and the testing, we've literally had next to no time to do any proper prep for these episodes. But they are coming back, so don't worry. We are still. We haven't forgot. We, you know, we've done one episode. We haven't forgot about them, but. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Sebastian Vettel for ages and, you know, it's a discussion I'd love to have um, on a longer podcast episode if we could. But, you know, let's move over to the other side of the garage now. I think we've said enough on Seb already, but guys, let us know where you think Seb's going to get on this season, uh, if it's going to be a good season for him, or do you feel that it's a building process to something perhaps bigger in the next few years, perhaps, perhaps only to get a title challenger in the next few years. But let's talk about Lance Stroll. Now, it's very easy for a lot of people, and I feel that perhaps this is the case, to get caught up in the Aston Martin euphoria and Seb Vettel and everything else that's associated with Aston Martin coming back to Formula One. It's a great story. But there's also the element of Lance Stroll, which in some ways is quite easy to forget 
about Lance Stroll in this regard, which is quite unfair, I think, because he got two podiums last season. Very much could have won the Italian Grand Prix. He said so himself. It was a missed opportunity. And I agree. I think he was in the right car at the right time. And for whatever reason, Pierre Gasly and Carlos Sainz got the jump on him and he just wasn't able to recover and hold on for the win. He got pole position in Turkey, a race which he seemed very much in control of for the first half of uh, that race until some strategy issues that obviously didn't befall his teammate Perez that really cost him the opportunity to win that race. We're starting to see certain elements of Lance Stroll's driving last season where he's starting to prove that he's not only good enough to be in Formula 1. We know that. That's not a de- that's not up for debate, regardless of how you feel he got into Formula 1. You know, we can all agree on how, but he definitely should be there on merit. But this is an opportunity for Lance Stroll to really cement himself now and really convince people against a team like, like Vettel in a team like Aston Martin, which is now one of the big teams in Formula One, that he very much belongs in this plethora of talented drivers around him now, because this is where it gets serious. And I think Lance can do a job at Aston Martin. I think there's definitely a plan for him going forward. Courtney, how would you... How do you feel about Lance Stroll's prospects for Aston Martin this season? And do you feel that despite his involvement with his father, who obviously runs, owns the team, is there an element of pressure pressure on Lance to do well, not just make up the numbers this season? Um, I've said this before, but I call Lance Stroll the Frank Lampard of Formula One. Now, for the non-football fans out there, uh, when Frank Lampard come through the, the youth system at West Ham, his uncle managed West Ham at the time, Harry Redknapp, and his dad is a is a legend. Frank Lampard seen as a legend at West Ham. So when he was getting into the team, a lot of the fans believed that he was only getting in there because of his um his connections. Um, and when he left West when he left West Ham for Chelsea, the stats speak for themselves. What he achieved for Chelsea, what he achieved for England. So it, it was proven that he. He was there for, for his ability, not just his family ties. This season is a season where Lance Stroll needs to be doing something similar, particularly with given towards the end of the season, we always seem to see several more than capable drivers lose their seats in Formula One altogether. And, and as fans, we feel like we're missing out on some great talents and great moments. We feel like we're being robbed. And Lance Stroll was one of the first drivers that fans tend to look at, thinking, you know what, if he wasn't for his dad, someone else, I don't know, you, we could be looking at, I don't know, if Mick Schumacher was about to drop out of, um, of Hass and F1 altogether, some fans might be saying, well, he could have possibly have gone to Aston Martin next season if Lance Stroll wasn't, dad wasn't at Aston Martin. So he does, he, he, does, he, he doesn't need to prove to other people he needs to prove it to himself because you know I'm, I'm sure that sort that sort of weight is on the back of his mind so yeah he does he needs to he really does need to take it to the next level maybe having someone like Sebastian Vettel will help him do that having a world champion around is always useful but yeah he does he needs to go to that next level because that pressure from the fan base and maybe some people within the team must start building up again yeah, I think credit where credit's due. Lance has done pretty well, particularly last season. Uh, I mean, as I said, his form was improving as the season went on. He had a very good start to the season. He did fall away a little bit towards the very, very end of it, where Perez really shone by comparison. But um, I suppose you could argue that Lance, if he maintained that early season form throughout the campaign, 
as uh, racing point, I should say, could have got that third place. And that is pretty much what they're targeting as Aston Martin. Um, no two ways about it. Aston Martin want to be at the top of the midfield by the end of 2021 and then perhaps be championship challengers from 2022 onwards. The infrastructure and everything that they're building, the new wind tunnel, the facilities at Brackley, you know, they are becoming a lot more than just the noisy neighbours to Mercedes. Uh, they really are serious about their ambitions and seem to be going the right way about achieving them. You know, so this Aston Martin project needs both Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll to really be at the top of their game and, and do their part as drivers to take the team forward. Because, of course, if they're not, and this may be harder to do with Lance and Seb in some, in some ways, but you may need to find some drivers that are going to be able to do that for Aston Martin. And, you know, Seb is very much a marquee driver for the Aston Martin project. Lance, of course, uh, Lawrence's son. So obviously there's an element there that, you know, protects Lance, I suppose, in terms of his future, perhaps has the safest seat in the sport. I don't know, but maybe, um, but they have to deliver in terms of prospects for this season, Courtney, because, you know, there's a lot of hype, a lot of buzz around Aston Martin, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be quick. You know, you can have a lot of hype over a lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily translate into performance in Formula One. You really have to deliver on that. So, with all that in mind and where Aston Martin have taken over from Racing Point last season, how do you see Aston Martin doing? Do you feel that they can uh, continue on what they were doing last season as Racing Point and try and be, be the best team in the midfield, maybe even challenge the likes of Red Bull and Mercedes, who knows? Or do you feel that they need to be looking over their shoulder and be more concerned about McLaren, Alpine, Ferrari and Alpha Tauri in this case? I've seen them finishing anywhere between third and fifth in the constructors. Um, the, the biggest unknown is Ferrari, which I'm mm. sure will come to when their car's unveiled. Um, if Ferrari get, get it right with the engine this year, I can see them finishing third. I think the biggest battle this year in the midfield is probably going to be between Aston Martin and McLaren. I can see both teams excelling. Um, with their own development, but I could just see Ferrari getting that third spot. So I think, yeah, I think some of the some of the battles, I reckon, the regular battles we could be seeing this season could be between Ferrari, Aston Martin, and McLaren. I, I think we could get some great moments from that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you, you kind of look at Aston Martin and McLaren in particular as the two teams that have the potential to really ruffle feathers and challenge the top teams in Formula One for the future. And with the rules changing in the way that they are, they really are in a great position to make that a reality as they're very much used to working on those sorts of budget constraints, whereas the top teams obviously have to find ways, as James Allison mentioned yesterday, about making the Mercedes parts more durable so that they don't have to replace them as often and save money there. You know, those are the things they have to consider, whereas the small teams are already operating pretty well within those budget constraints. Even some teams have to spend a bit more money to still meet them. That's the reality of Formula One. And you kind of look at the midfield at the moment and you look at Ferrari in there and it's almost like you're thinking in your head, like one of these is not like the others, something like that. <laughs> and they, the Ferrari really don't belong in that pack. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful no. to the other teams, but it, it does look like they're so out of place in the midfield. You expect them to be at the front, but that's the reality of Formula One. That's why you can't really rest on laurels and expect some teams to be where you know they should be. They have to deliver. So I'm looking forward to Aston Martin's project. See how it unfolds. I've heard a lot of false storms in the past about teams in a similar position, reinventing themselves and saying, we are going to go to the top and they don't achieve that. You know, I think Red Bull and 
you could argue Mercedes to a degree are probably the only two teams in the last 15 to 20 years that have come into Formula One with those ambitions in mind and actually realised them. Um, and sometimes it can just be by chance, you know, something just happens and it just clicks together. With Aston Martin, the ingredients are all there. They've got some a good blend uh, in their driver lineup. They've got the right people there to take advantage of, uh, you know, the constraints and the restrictions that obviously are going to be hitting the bigger teams a lot harder than them. So I'm very confident that they could do really well. Will it win them a world championship? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I mean, Courtney, I'll leave the final word to you on that one. Do you feel that Aston Martin could win a world championship in the next five years? In the next five years, yes, it's a possibility. But I just think in the near future, I think it's going to be Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull. I think it's going to take a lot of work to topple all three of those teams, Mm. let alone one of them. I mean, money is money. But let's not forget, the best people in Formula One do tend to work at the biggest teams. And sooner rather than later, if someone comes from, you know, out of nowhere and they're like, oh, my God, they're amazing. They tend to get recruited by the bigger teams, of course. So, you know, that is always an element that we shouldn't ignore, that the budget constraints will not be able to affect, at least to some degree. But I digress. But um, let us know what you guys think of the new car. Let us know if you like it, if you don't like it. Let us know what you think about Sebastian Vettel's chances next season and Lance Stroll's as well and also where you think Aston Martin will fare in the pecking order, not just this season, but going forward as this Aston Martin project, starting with the AMR21 car, starts to take shape. All that's left to say, guys, is a big shout out to our sponsors for the month. Once again, Manscaped, definitely check out their products. Really good stuff. I definitely recommend it. As I said, we've tried them ourselves, like the little razor here, the lawnmower 3.0, really good. And it's waterproof as well. I forget to mention. So you can use this in the shower uh, without damaging it. So that's always a good feature. But uh, use our code DNF1 for 20% off plus free shipping on your order. And of course, make sure to like the video if you enjoyed it, subscribe to the YouTube channel or follow us on whichever podcast and platform you follow us on. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well. All that's left to say, guys, is thank you very, very much for tuning into this episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Stay safe, and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the Alpine episode, airing tomorrow. Take care. See you soon. Podcast Network.